the song was pretty much autobiographical. It was right before I got the job at the piano bar in, in L.A. I left New York when I realized I was in a horrible deal with the already ripped thing, and I drove across country to go to Los Angeles. Uh, I'll, write, I'll, write, I'll write my songs on my road guitar and make a living in a piano bar. And that's exactly what I ended up doing. Hi, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Today I'm living like a rich man's son. Tomorrow morning I could be a bum. It doesn't matter which direction though. To Billy Joel A to Z, where today we discuss the song that kicks off the second side of Billy's second album, entitled Worse Comes to Worst. Worse Comes to Worst is off of the Piano Man album and was released. Wait a minute, I must have read that wrong. Released? What, <laughs> yes, this song was released on July of 1974 as the second single after Piano Man. Did you know that, Alan? I did not know that before today. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. I never heard of that. I didn't know there was anything released after Piano Man off of the Piano Man album. I was extremely rather shocked since, as usual, I have never heard this song before or of it even. Stage right, even. (laughs) So the first song of the second side of the second album is the second single was released on the 2nd of July, 1974. And in three weeks, it went to number 80. And then it dropped like a lox. Is that a thing? No, loxes can only lay. Oh, right. So I'm not sure why it didn't go higher. Here was the number one song that week. pretty similar to me yeah it had something going for it a little funky well, I, in the background there i say this song's just as funky as that one and yet it went nowhere i don't know who this george mccray is i don't know if he was ever heard from again i remember this song as a kid i remember being depressed by it for some reason i didn't think it, i didn't know it was called rock your baby i think what did i think it was called I don't know what I thought it was. I was probably thinking Rock the Boat because I was such a song and dance man. I was thinking of uh, Guys and Dolls. Oh, I thought you were talking about the other Rock the Boat, which is not the Guys and Dolls song. Oh, yeah. I uh, I remember that song. And uh, again, it seems funky. Worse comes to worse appears nowhere else. However, there is a demo 
And if you can believe it, on the useless My Lives compilation album, there's a demo of an early version of it called The New Mexican Connection. (laughs) That's not what it's called. Oh, okay. No, it's called (laughs) New Mexico. Uh, We'll talk about that in a second. For now, let's bring in our friend and co-host of the Billy Joel A to Z podcast, Sir Alan Altman. Hello, Sir Dave. (laughs) And uh, why don't we go to the rankings? Can you imagine where these two fellas placed worst comes to worst? And let's just put the title in mind when you're thinking of your score out of 121 songs from Christopher Bonanno's from New York Magazine. <laughs> okay, well, that's a big hint, I guess. I was going to say maybe he liked it somewhere in the middle, but you're really leaning in there with the hints, so I'll say 107. Nope, 115. I'm surprised by that. What did he say about it? He said, title tells you most of what you need to know. <laughs> An album ballad not worth resurrecting. Yikes. Ballad? Well, that's what he says. Glenn Gamboa puts it at 103. And the interesting blurb is proof that Joel could probably have had Jimmy Buffett's career if he just followed this path. And we've mentioned whatever Jimmy Buffett is or that career, he probably could have, like we've been saying a hundred times, he could have had so many people's career if he had just stuck to doing the exact same thing on every album. If he just kept coming up with whether whatever the album this is or The Stranger and just kept going. I don't know. I mean, he had a pretty good career anyway, but yeah, he either way, he would have been okay, I guess. The fans rank it at 114, so most people don't like this song. Since this is the first time I've ever heard this song or heard of it, I at first didn't love it, and then I heard the live version from CW Post in 1977. And then I was like, holy shit, that's some amazing energy. First of all, the intro is like 20 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, they really extended it. And then the energy on that, if I if that was the one I heard initially, I would have been like, wow. <laughs> album version not as great but i'm i'm getting to like it a lot more in uh extra hearings of it but that live version is unbelievable right yeah that live version is so good and that's definitely where the song shines is in a live setting and whenever billy played it live which we'll get to a little bit later it would be in the encore because it's high energy it's really fun and in that version like the guitar is so much better than on the studio version liberty's killing it on the drums I actually, you know, there's that part of the song where he goes into that lightning and thunder, that uh, bridge section. Wait, Liberty was on the drums at that time? In 1977 on the live version. Oh, right. The live version we see is four years after. Okay. Yeah. So he doesn't have his stupid studio guys anymore. He's got his Oh, his and band. there lies the difference. Okay. That's interesting as hell. Right. 
Although the, the um, I looked it up. The lead guitarist, I don't know if on the entire tour or on just parts of this tour, was a guy named Howard Emerson. Even though Russell Javers was there too, he wasn't the lead guy. So I think that good guitar that we're hearing in the live version is this guy, Howard Emerson. But not the guy from Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, only because I say that electric piano solo in the middle sounds like an Emerson, Lake, and Palmer song. So that's why I thought, but it's not the Emerson uh, from Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Yeah, and then also like that synth solo at the end of it, it sounds kind of like actually like all you want to do is dance in a way, which is kind of funny, but like super fast, very cool sound. And yeah, in the middle of that bridge section, Lightning and Thunder actually gives me chills when I hear it in the live version. Something about how the song changes there makes my body feel something, which I don't feel when I hear the studio version. Nope, it's totally different. It, it, it's got some serious energy going. Why don't you just give us the live stats? Because I had no idea he, besides that in 1977, I had no idea he ever played it live. And then, of course, I would question, why not after hearing it live? Yeah, why not is a good question. So he's played it 16 times live that we oh, know that's, of. That's nothing. Okay, so technically yeah. he's really never played it live. I mean, considering he's on his, you know, 500 thousandth concert uh that's a pretty low number yeah i mean it's ranked 80th on we've done songs. more podcasts than he's played it live by far yes <laughs> we've done 15 times more podcasts than he's played it live the last time he played it live was in 1979 so this is another one of the songs that he has completely forgotten about wow. and would be really welcome if he decided to bust it out at the msg show agreed and like I said, usually he played it in the encore. So back then in some of those shows, he would do like two or three encores and he might stick it into the middle of the third encore or at the end of the second encore. But it was always there because it was a song that all of a sudden could really get the crowd moving. I guess kind of like how on Piano Man, it's the start of, an, of a side of the album, you know, because it's like it starts with a bang. And so he would do the same thing at the concerts. Here's something interesting. So the first live version, according to setlist.fm, is from the Orpheum Theater in Boston in May 1974. And we do have a bootleg recording of this version on YouTube. And he introduces the song by saying, this is a mambo-lized reggae, an L.A. version of reggae. Wow. So that's how he described it. And I thought that was interesting because I was thinking when I heard it, it sounds kind of like a fast reggae, got like a Latin Caribbean beat to it, has some steel drums in it. But I wasn't really sure if it really was reggae. But Billy considered this to be reggae. When, when he did the, the Sigma Sound Studios, was that after the Piano Man album or just after Cold Spring Harbor? That was before Piano Man. That was before because I know he, he there were songs off Piano Man that he played at the Sigma Sound Studios in Philadelphia, right? At that radio concert. Yeah, like Captain Jack. That was the version. Right, that right. That's what I really thought. But popular. he did not play this one. And again, I don't know why. Well, I think I think it might be because that was perhaps before he moved to L.A., which is what this whole song is about. That road trip of going from the East Coast to the West Coast and, you know, knowing that Elizabeth's sister, Josephine, lived in I, Nevada. I can't no, not believe Nevada. it's... I got it wrong. New Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, whole song. Right, is, right. Yeah. The whole song is about I know a woman in New Mexico. Yeah. Uh, again, yeah. 
he makes uh it's all about billy's wife's younger sister josephine who we've spoken about uh multiple times especially the unreleased song josephine uh, what do you make of uh writing two songs about your wife's younger sister well i think it's okay because he's written like 20 songs about elizabeth so i'm sure elizabeth wasn't too jealous about it you don't think so yeah, I don't think so. I don't think Billy had any rom- romantic feelings toward Josephine. Like in the song Josephine, he talks about how she comes on with her sneakers. Like it sounds like she was some kind of tomboy little kid sister. Oh. And I think he kind of thought of her that way. Not as, uh, hey, if this thing with Elizabeth doesn't work out, I got a girl in New Mexico. Well, that's what it sounds like. And uh, wait, well, let me see the lyrics here again. It's uh, I mean, they're really weird. I mean, they're not really they're, 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 they're weird because today I'm living like a rich man's son. Tomorrow morning, I could be a bum. It doesn't matter which direction, though. I know a woman in New Mexico. I mean, that sounds like something I would write. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, I think he's talking about it in the first person, but really he means like for he and for Elizabeth that they're going on this trip to L.A. to try to get away from Artie Rip and maybe get him out of his contract. He might be totally broke. And if L.A. doesn't work, I guess New Mexico is the second option for Uh. both of them. Worst comes to worst, I'll get along. I don't know how, but sometimes I can be strong. And if I don't have a car, I'll hitch. I got a thumb, and she's a son of a bitch. Is he, what is he talking about? His thumb's a son of a bitch? Maybe thumb <laughs> is his nickname for Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thumb. I do my writing. I do my writing on my road guitar and make a living at a piano bar. And he, But it's weird because he wrote this song you said before. He went to the piano bar and wrote the Piano Man album and everything. So I guess yeah. that was his trajectory. Uh, he was going to end up at a piano bar anyway. It's like he knew that was what's going to happen. He would have to hide out, find some place to just play piano. And I think he said that on the Sirius XM uh, thing when he talks about the song, that he kind of predicted what was going to happen to him. Well, when you predict it like that, then why wouldn't it happen? I mean, you're looking for trouble if you predict it like that. You should predict for fame and fortune. <laughs> he should have shot his uh, sights a little bit higher, but instead he got the executive room. Right. Yeah, there's no reason to go on with the rest of the lyrics, I think, unless you like it. Well, my favorite lyric is the, I got a thumb and she's a son of a bitch. But when you listen to the studio version, he cheats on it. He does not say bitch. Is that He's, right? He says son of a bit. Really? He hides the CH. If he says it, it's super subtle. But the live versions, he definitely says the word. Wow. Maybe back then it was still a little bit, you know, if you if you curse it. Also, I guess because it was released as a single, having Son of a Bitch in it might have really hurt the airplay. That's right. That's a good point. It's kind of like with The Doors when they put out Break On Through, you know, Jim Morrison was singing She Gets High, but instead they just cut out the high in the entire song. So it's just She Get, She Get, She Get. Oh. And you don't even realize that he was actually finishing that line every single time. Yeah. I mean, still as a seven, I remember uh, the Stones on their first time on Ed Sullivan, instead of let's spend the night together, they had to change it to let's spend some time together. It's so ridiculous. Who cares? Yeah. Ruined their career. They have yep. you ever even heard of that band since then? Nope. They, it, Ed Sullivan ruined them. No, that's why they went nowhere. And Paul Revere and the Raiders are one of the biggest rock bands of all time. <laughs> exactly. Now, boys, uh, the network has a problem with some of your lyrics. Would you mind changing them for the show? Forget you, clown. Hey, our lyrics are like our children, man. No way. Well, okay. But here where you say, what I got, you got to get and put it in you. How about just what I'd like is I'd like to hug and kiss you. Wow. That's much better. Everyone can enjoy that. The uh, Also, uh... 
the demo there's a the demo which is just like the album version it's not much of a difference but the song new mexico off the my lives comp uh compilation is pretty good because it's just him on the piano no other tricks yeah i like that a lot i like it as a piano song without the backing vocals which aren't terrible here but there is a lot of these women singing in the back and near the end of the song it gets really weird i can't even tell what they're saying in the background but it's something yeah, strange the thing every time you get to hear him on the piano by himself it's a we're all we're always gonna like it yeah because i think in the studio version that funky guitar is a little bit too prominent in the song and the guy who's doing it to me isn't doing a great job of it so it would be better just to hear more of the piano part the thing that's why i guess this song didn't go anywhere it's that it's it's a little bit pushed and then again when you hear it live then you kind of get what he was going for but it's a little too much on the album it's a little bit like you're trying too hard is kind of what it sounds like in a way yeah like they were trying to overproduce it a little bit because it just has too much musically going on the steel drums the funky guitar there's a lot of weird instrumentation which he was doing on this album and then on Street Life Serenade also. But he would always throw a lot of weird things in there. Yeah. Well, we know how he likes throwing in weird things. Then he, then he just went for the sound effects after that. Well, <laughs> then I'll forget what the answer is. I'll just go with the sound effects. Yeah. And he was like, and next time I do a reggae song, I'll use a Jamaican accent. <laughs> next time. <laughs> Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me? Yeah, I've got a good one. Uh, kind of something, well, on, I'll just tell it to you, and then you'll see why it's a little relevant. On October 1st, 1979, Alan Alda on the TV show MASH under uttered one of Billy's lyrical phrases in this song, and it was the first time in broadcast history that this phrase would be allowed on the air. What is that lyric? Well, I guess it's probably son of a bitch. You got that right. <laughs> That's why it was funny that you say bit and how stupid we all are uh, that we can't handle the word bitch or, you know, that MTV still feels they have to cover stuff up even though they're on cable and no one cares anymore and every kid can go to you porn. But whatever, back in the day, we were trying to, you know, hold our innocent ears from possibly hearing son of a bitch. And I'll, I remember this episode so well called gorilla, my dreams. And I remember him saying, it, and I didn't hear any of the hype. I just remember him saying, it. and I'm like, wow, uh, th that was something else. Right. Cause you never heard that before. Well, when I went back, I remember as a, as a kid trying to find out more information 
the producers had to apply to the FCC for special dispensation, you know, like you get from the Pope, yeah. to allow Hawkeye to say the phrase to emphasize the gravity of the scene. I remember it so well. It was the first time in broadcast history this phrase would be allowed in the air, and several newspapers announced the decision in advance, which spurred viewers around their TV to hear, you know, it made it good and it made it and just like, listen, you know, this is going to happen. So cover your ears, kids. I, I remember it as a kid and uh, remember it being so shocking. Now, no one cares. And now that you say he kind of shies away from it in the album. Well, he now you know why. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's kind of funny that you say that, because I feel like that was always really exciting, even for me growing up later than you. When I would hear a curse word on TV, it still was exhilarating. Yeah, it's still shocking because we were because we were brought up on network TV and you just couldn't do that. And then you, you know, you go to London and they just don't give a shit, which is the way it should be. That's why the Osbournes were such a good show. Like, well, they're cursing and everything, but they seem to be a pretty good family. So maybe we should all just uh, relax a little bit. <laughs> hey, boy, you want to play fetch? Oh, me and Santa's little helper used to be a team, but he never wants to play anymore since his bitch moved in. Bart, don't ever say that word again. Well, that's what she is. I looked it up. Well, I'm going to write the dictionary, people, and have that checked. Feels like a mistake to me. Alon, do you have a trivia question for me? I do, and mine is also about the word bitch. Mm-hmm which is kind of fun for us to say because we try to keep this podcast pretty clean and this probably has the most cursing of anyone we've done. Yeah. Okay, so my question is, what three other Billy Joel songs use the word bitch? Uh, Here's a hint. One of them is from 52nd Street, one is from Glass Houses, and one is from The Bridge. Oh, boy, that's tough. Okay, is one of them Stiletto? No. That made a lot of sense to me, but I can't picture it in my mind. Uh, what does he say in Laura? Oh, right. That's even worse. Uh, <laughs> How dare you even think of that word? Uh, okay, I don't know what in 52nd Street. I don't know. Okay, 52nd Street is a hit song. So it's a it's a in a hit, and he doesn't say the word bitch alone. He actually uses the word bitchin'. Oh, still rock and roll to me. No. Oh, then I have no idea. Okay, it's in Big Shot. Oh, I'm he thinking, says, sorry, I was thinking 52nd Street, right? Big Shot. Okay. Still come bitching to me. Okay, got it. Yeah. Go on and cry in your coffee, but don't come bitching to me. Right. Okay. So, Glass Houses, this is a deep album track on the second side. Oh. You might not get this one. I have no idea. Okay. So, Glass Houses, it's close to the borderline. I was going to say that because you said I wouldn't go and then i can't remember that song at all yeah he says i shouldn't bitch i shouldn't cry i'd start a revolution but i don't have time and then there's a third one from which oh the bridge is it modern woman <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> is it no the original oh. demo version is called modern bitch <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why i thought it was i guess you're right it would be a radio not be radio friendly well wait modern woman is the is that the opening track on the album no, I think it's second. Running on Ice is opening. Oh, right. Okay. So this song that uses bitch is the closing track on the album. Oh, well, that how could I forget the closing? Because it's not so good. Getting closer. Yes. It took me a while because I'm like, wait, we should know all the ending tracks on the albums because right. they're so relevant. Uh, I can't picture that at all. 
He says, but they haven't taken everything. Those paybacks are a bitch. Oh, hey, that was an outstanding trivia question. And I should have uh, thought harder, but I really just couldn't remember it. That's it. That's good. Well, that's some good quality research. Thanks. Yeah, because originally I just thought it's only Big Shot. That's the only one that came to my mind. And then I kept looking it up and I found these other ones. So Very he, impressive. he hides some curse words here and there. Wow. That's a lot of work. Good work. That was That's fun. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Again, here we are at a song where I have no idea what the parody is going to be. I do know, folks that Alon had a hard time with this one for sure this time. It wasn't, you know, sometimes I say, I don't know how you're going to do it. He goes, well, you know, whatever. But this time he's like, I need an extra five minutes, <laughs> which is still impressive that he only needed five. Yeah, I don't know if those five minutes paid off, but I at least got something down. So today's Weird Alon parody for Worse Comes to Worst is called My Liver Worst. I was hoping it was going to be liver worst. I knew it. I felt it yes. in my bones. It was going to be <laughs> liver worst. <laughs> as soon as you said worst comes to worst, um, that's the first thing that came to me. He's going to make a liver worst joke, isn't he? Excellent. Yeah. Gotta. You just have to. And of course, in, you know, in honor of Weird Al, who would definitely go for a deli meat in a song parody. That's what we did here. I want salami on a seated bun. But in my fridge, I realized I got none. I'm out of almost every kind of meat. So I guess I'm going to have to eat my liver worst. Found in the back. It is so old. I'm worried that I might yak. Ooh, liver worst sausage. Expiration date 2005. Oh, but I'm still gonna have it. So check on me tomorrow and hope I'm still alive. That's it. Hey now. Yipes. That part is tough. I got. I, I feel like I totally got that second part wrong. I was like, "What song is this again?" Oh. The liver worst. Liver worst. It's a hard song to remember, except for that chorus. Expiration date two thousand five. Oh, but I'm still gonna have it. Check on me tomorrow. Hey, I've only heard this song recently, and it's not sticking in my head. You know, it's not like um, I was lost. And I'm found liverwurst sausage expiration day 2005, <laughs> but I'm still gonna have it. So check on me tomorrow and hope I'm alive. Oh, that's so much better. Yeah, that was better. What a quality song that is. <laughs> Well, folks, that was Worst Comes to Worst. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Did you realize that he doesn't actually curse in this song? Son of a bit. <laughs> I didn't say it. Do you think Billy had a crush on Josephine? Yes. Are you old enough to remember that episode of M.A.S.H.? Yeah. Oh, you were asking. Well, we know you are. Yeah. 
And are you surprised the My Lives compilation actually had a good, rare version of a song on it? I couldn't believe it. Shocked. Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Don't know.